it's great to kind of be back with you at the start of this new year. I want to thank the leaders at Junction 10. Uh, is it Snoop Joe we call you now, or Scoop Joe? Scoop, Scoop, okay, Scoop Joe and the rest of the leadership team, just for having me back here. For those of you that don't know, you, uh, don't know me, my name's Dave Bowden. I lead an organisation called Grace Foundation, which has a long history with this school, Grace Academy. And the vision of Grace is to help transform young people's lives through holistic education. And we work not just in this school, but in uh, 11 other schools around the country, about 12,000 young people to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to help develop character and values and help young people understand that they have a hope and a purpose in life. Isn't that a great message to be out there sharing? And this morning, I uh, feel privileged to be able to kick off this series on discipleship with you. It's a great topic to start 2024 uh, together with. But before we do that, um, can anybody name this person for me that's going to come up on the screen now? Shout it out. C.S. Lewis, spot on, fantastic. I knew you would all get that, but can you name the place here? Anybody know where this is? It is Addison's Walk. Well done. Give him a round of applause. That's very specific. Can you open that for me, please, and just give him a prize, because he's done so well already today. <laughs> Thank you. You didn't know you'd be uh, on the front row in charity. Addison's Walk. So this walk is a one-mile loop that's based in a place called Magdalen College. And I was actually here yesterday. And the reason why this walk is so significant is it's, it's exactly a loop. It goes around the college. And this is the walk that C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien used to walk on regularly before C.S. Lewis was a Christian. And what was amazing was they used to go and have conversations and discussions about God and faith and life. Can you imagine being there with C.S. Lewis, writer of the Chronicles of Narnia, and Tolkien, writers of the whole Hobbit trilogy and, and, and the, Lord, sorry, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, everything. Can you imagine being there listening to their debates and discussions? So this walk is quite a significant walk to me. And on one particular night, uh, you know, several decades ago, C.S. Lewis wasn't yet a Christian, but he decided to go for a walk, and he's having this chat with Tolkien, and they're really going at it about God by now. C.S. Lewis had a bit of a slow burner approach to faith and life. He wasn't one of those people that would just stick their hand up in a meeting and go for it. He waited and pondered, and when he actually came through, I mean, what a guy, what a life he led. But this one night, they're having this conversation about God. They go back to their dorm. And the next morning, C.S. Lewis gets up and he goes with another friend to Twycross Zoo in the sidecar of a motorbike. This is a 100% true story. It sounds made up, but it's not. And it's written about C.S. Lewis that when he got in the sidecar, he didn't accept Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. But after all this stuff that had gone on at Addison's Walk, by the time he arrived at the zoo to see the animals, he'd given his life to Christ. What a journey that was. And the reason I love this story so much and love Addison's Walk so much is because it just helps us understand this whole idea that people have to take steps towards Jesus before they take big steps with him. And if you remember, this is what I talked about last time I was here, this whole journey of faith, of how we come to Christ. 
Well, today, I talked about side-by-side discipleship last time. Today, I want to talk about day-by-day discipleship. I want to talk about what it looks like when we actually become a Christian. How do we grow? Because how many of us know that for every C.S. Lewis who goes on to make a massive impact in the world and make a difference, there's so many people who get stuck. They get stuck. You know, you can be a Christian for one year and grow in maturity and look like Jesus. And you can be a Christian for 30 years and not look anything like Christ at all. And that is the goal of discipleship, remember. The goal of discipleship is to walk with Jesus until we become more like him. So the whole point of discipleship as we start this series is not so that we can become better religious attendees. It's not so that we can get better at doing church activities. It's so we can become more like Jesus and be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world. So we know it's possible for somebody to grow really quickly and we also know it's possible for someone to stagnate. And the difference with that is not time, it's a heart issue. It's an issue of openness for of you and me before God of saying, right at the start of 2024, I actually want to be a disciple and I want to go out there and make disciples and grow to be more like Jesus. In a few weeks' time, Phil's going to speak, and I don't want to give you too much of a spoiler alert and spoil his talk, but I know he's going to be speaking about this key scripture. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. And this scripture is right at the heart, isn't it, of the discipleship journey. This is not a scripture that we can approach half-heartedly. It's not one that we can look at and go, okay, I've got that, what's next? This is an all-in verse. It says, somebody came to Jesus and says, what's the most important thing? And he says, the most important thing that you ever do is to go all in with Jesus. Go all in. Don't be half-hearted about it. And hidden in this scripture is, there's three things. It says, how do we actually love God? How do we love God and, and live as a disciple with our heads, with our hearts, and with our hands? Our heads, our hearts, and with our hands. So in the short time I have with you this morning, I want to share three scriptures with us that all talk about what it actually means to be a disciple. Because often we get a bit confused. We say, well, I don't even know what it means to be a disciple. Well, Jesus was very clear, thankfully. And I'm going to share three scriptures. And they'll all be based on this idea of head, heart, and hands. So we're going to look at three things. Now, don't get too disheartened by the last one. Because when we get there, you'll be overjoyed, not dismayed like you're going to be in a second. So we're going to look at this idea that a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a lover. A couple of you got excited there. Uh, And a disciple is a loser. The ones that were decided before suddenly lost that excitement. We're going to look at these three areas because Jesus has a lot to say about discipleship. Um, And the first key verse we'll look at today, uh, where Jesus directly says a disciple is like this, is found in John 8, 31. Jesus says this, all disciples are learners. He says, if you hold... To my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. What's the difference between somebody who grows and somebody who doesn't? It's somebody who chooses to hold to the teachings of Jesus. 
This word disciple, it comes from a Greek word which actually means apprentice or as we might refer to it as a learner-doer. So it's somebody who learns not just about Jesus but with Jesus but then makes a decision to put the words of Jesus into practice. You know, so many of us live uh, in this world where we're gaining, consuming information all the time, right? We gain loads of knowledge, loads of stuff, but we never actually intend to do anything about it. We just know a load of stuff. And we have an education system, don't we, where young people are expected often to come in and they get filled with knowledge of information and and then they, they have to pass a test. And as soon as they pass the test, what happens? They don't remember any of it. Why? Because that knowledge and information had no bearing on the reality of their lives. There was never an intention often for that young person to take those words and put them into practice. But when we look at this scripture this morning, we can't be like that old t-shirt, the old t-shirt, that slogan which says, another day has passed and I still haven't used algebra. (laughs) You remember that one? (laughs) Another day has passed. The kind of teaching that Jesus gives us, the implication is that it will always be something that we have to put into practice. That's how we hold to it. And actually, it would lead to life transformation. It's It's so easy for us to put this teaching that we get, we hear it on a Sunday or we read it in the in the Word of God, and we just put it in a religious box and we say, Well, that's for over there. What's next? But Jesus never intended for any of his words to fall flat like that. What Jesus teaches us. We're designed and destined to put it into practice. This is maybe the reason why so many Christians, and I've used this phrase before, uh, get born again, but then they get bored again. They get bored again because the stuff that they're hearing on a Sunday, the great teaching that we have in church, they receive it, but they're not really going to do anything about it. But actually, really embracing learning There's a secret ingredient to it. It takes a little bit of humility. At the moment, I am doing the dreaded thing that every parent dreads to do with. It's the second time I've done this now with my son who's 19 years old. And I have taken, bitten the bullet and I'm teaching him how to drive. Now, hands up in the room if anybody's ever taught their child or anybody how to drive. Keep your hand up if it was very good for your prayer life. (laughs) Because I tell you what, me and Jesus, we are close at the moment. (laughs) My son, Joel, all excited, says to me, Dad, you're going to take me out tonight. And I live with this low-level anxiety the whole day. I'm like, I'll be in meetings shaking, like, you okay, Dave? And I'm like, I've got to take my son out later. You know, it's just this terrifying thing that, you know, so many times I've said to him, I've said, you have to be in control because you don't have the dual control, do you, when you teach someone to drive like the instructor has. And I'm like, you're in control. My life is in your hands. And then I remind him, Mons, I tell him, I have a call of God on my life. I have a destiny. You be careful with this precious cargo today. Be careful with this package because this package is called to great things. I don't mind about you, but on this side of the car, keep me safe. <laughs> So we're learning to drive. And the thing that I'm noticing about teaching my son is he's got to be humble. He has to listen to what I've got to say and he has to do what I actually tell him. But that teaching is alive. It's not a theory test. I'm not teaching how to just go and do an exam. I'm teaching how do you actually live and how do you have a journey. 
What's been really fascinating is at the same time as doing this, we developed a little habit. And what Joel has said is, he said, let's drive to the gym. And he says, you're teaching me something, Dad. I'm going to teach you something. Now, my son, if you've met him, he is, I think in Grace Academy, Darleston, they would call it hench. He is hench. He's very, very strong lad because he's done a lot of training. So he's decided that if I'm teaching him a skill, it's like the old village exchange. He's going to teach me how to lift weights. And that's when I'm realising that I've got to be humble too. Because I've then got a 19-year-old boy who's looking over me, shouting at me, going, come on, Dad, you've got more in the tank. You're giving up too quickly. And I'm like there trying to lift like a four kilogram weight and just like dying inside. And the thing is, it just takes so much humility to humble myself and say, I don't actually know everything yet. I don't have it all together. I need to learn and this is what Jesus is saying, is I want you to hold on to my teaching. You know, I honestly believe that church life would change overnight if we introduced two rules. Here's rule number one, is that what we actually hear and listen to in church, we've got to put it into practice. That sounds stupid, doesn't it, for me to say that, but I know it resonates in the room. You know, when I, 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 did a, uh, I went skiing a few years ago with some friends, I didn't know how to ski, terrible at skiing. But I had a lesson, and when I had a lesson, the instructor says, I'm going to teach you how to ski. And I'm like, please teach me how to ski. I listened with my whole heart, held on to his teaching. Why? Because my life depended on it. Well, this is the same with Jesus, is that we listen to Jesus' teaching because our lives depend on it. Are you holding on to his teaching this morning? Well, that's the first rule. Okay, here's another rule for you. This makes it even more interesting. What if actually what we heard, we had to take responsibility to pass on to somebody else? Now that changes the way that we listen. If I said, listen to my talk today, make sure you make notes because tomorrow, next Sunday, you're up here. You're going to be the one that's preaching it to a different group. Well, you would listen in a completely different way. Don't worry, you don't have to do it. <laughs> it's going to be okay. But it would, it would be challenging, wouldn't it? It would be a really difficult thing. In the Word of God, Paul speaks to his uh, young mentee, he speaks to Timothy and he says, the things that you've heard me teach, I want you to pass those truths on to trustworthy people who will pass them on to others. That's 2 Timothy 2 verse 22. What a great scripture, 2 Timothy 2 22. Pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. So this whole idea is that written into this idea of learning is that we're going to have to pass it on to others. In the middle of teaching my son to drive, uh, I was trying to get him to learn about gears. And I'm saying to him, Joel, when I drive my car, I, I put it into first and you put it into second and I, I have a really smooth gear transition to which he just laughed at me. And he went, Dad, you drive an automatic. <laughs> and, then he, and then he followed up with these words. And you put it on cruise control. And actually, he'd noticed that even in my driving, I'd stopped actually doing it the proper way because I'd become comfortable and gone onto autopilot. How often do we as the church go into spiritual autopilot and it stops us passing on the reality to the next generation? That when they look at us, do they see us holding to Christ's teaching? Everyone is passing something on. What are we passing on to the next generation? 
So that first point this morning is that disciples are learners. We're going to be learners. And maybe in 2024, we can make that commitment to learn daily with Jesus. Well, the second key verse I want to look at is that all disciples are, in fact, lovers. Jesus says this. He says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. There's the key word again. If you love one another. So we've got the word disciple again, but this time we've got some implied evidence. If you want to be detective and find out, is this guy or girl in front of me a disciple? Let's look at the way that they love other people. You are a disciple if you are a lover. Now, this kind of love is not like the way that the world sees love. Let's do another little quiz. What happened to my sweets? Did we, did we lose them? Did he actually leave the room? Oh, no, did you go, okay, I need you again now. You ready? Because we're going to do a little quiz. Have you got the sweets? Have you got all of them? Right, okay, you ready? Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a song lyric, and then you need to shout out the song and the artist to win a suite, okay? The reason I'm doing this is because I associate uh, Junction 10 with Phil Miles, and Phil Miles is a quiz master. And I just figure if everybody, well, everybody must be like Phil, right? The people of Junction 10, they must love that. Oh, that caused quite a reaction, quite a strong reaction from some people at the back there. Okay, here we go. Here's the first one. There's four of them. Here's the first lyric. Next, shout out the actual artist and the song. If perfect's what you're searching for, then just stay the same. If perfect's what you're searching for, then just stay the same. Don't make me sing this, because it's... If perfect's what you're searching for, then just stay the same. <laughs> I made it worse. Anyone in the room? Because you're amazing just the way you are. That was Bruno Mars, just the way you are. And that was the easy one. I'm now thinking this could go south. All right. Okay, the next one. I'd hate to turn up out of the blue uninvited. Adele, yeah. Yes, well done. Give Snoop, Scoop, Scoopy Poop, give him a, a sweet, please. Thank you. Oh, man. Okay, here we go. The next one, Tuesday's grey and Wednesday too. What, bye. Thank you very much. I knew you'd get at least one. Let's give Phil Miles a round of applause. None of you want to be like him, but you've got to respect him. Okay, and the final one is, and kicked off the moss. And kicked off the moss. Elton John, your song. We've got it at the front. Yeah, yes, please. My, my young man over here. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, okay. Give all the winners a round of applause. Well done, guys. Can't believe you didn't get the first one. So the thing is, we hear about love everywhere, don't we? It's in every song. It's in every movie. And you flick through your Spotify account. And the love is literally everywhere. We talk about losing love, finding love, missing a loved one, wishing for love, searching for love, being grateful for love. Love's at the heart of music because love is at the heart of life. However, the kind of love that we hear on the airwaves every single day is not the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here. Because actually, this is not the kind of love that goes up and down with emotions or how we're feeling in the moment. This is not the kind of love that changes with the seasons or just kind of gets a little bit lost or when a better offer comes along, we actually go for that sort of love. This is deeper because it actually has a deep foundation. 
Loving people the way that Jesus tells us to love them is very difficult. It's hard because how many of us know this morning that relationships, they're not actually that easy, are they? Relationships are actually quite difficult. We have differences of opinions. We have communication problems. There's often fear of rejection. There's one-sided effort. We get disappointed and hurt. And it's so easy for us just to say, do you know what? I'm going to love Jesus. But the rest of them, forget about that lot. I'm going to love Jesus. Me and Jesus are okay. Have you ever, have you ever said that? He said, like, I'm fine with Jesus, but the church? Woo! What was he thinking? They're people. Have you ever met any of these people, Jesus? And it can be so, we've all been there, haven't we? Where we actually, really genuinely, loving God feels easy, but loving other people feels hard. What is the key? Well, why don't you just throw out for me, just for a second, give me some words that describe the kind of love that God has for us. Just chuck it out in the room. What is God's love like for us? Patient, yeah. Sovereign. Compassionate, everlasting. Selfless, yeah. What do you say? Warm, yeah. That's one. I like that phrase, it's wonderful. Any more? Say? Kind. Unconditional. Wow. And we could go on and go on and come. We've sung about the amazing love that God has for us. I want to suggest this morning that we have to remind ourselves, first and foremost, that if we want to love other people, we have to remember that we only love God and we can only love others because he first loved us. Now, there's a soundtrack that goes on in your life and my life every single day. We are bombarded with words and messages, most of them in our internal dialogue about ourselves. I want to suggest this morning that if we want to start to really love other people, we've got to let God change the soundtrack of our lives and what he's saying over us. God loves you. He is compassionate towards you. He has a plan for you. His love is compassionate. It's perfect. It's kind. It's gentle. It's not like the love that we hear about and this up and down stuff that just goes like a roller coaster every single day. Jesus says this at the start of that John 13 scripture. Um, you know, when he commands us, he says, if you're my disciples, you love other people. But he starts by saying, just as I have loved you, love other people. So your priority in this actually is not to try harder at being nicer to other people. It's actually to learn to receive God's love for yourself. Does that make sense this morning? So we don't try harder. We don't try and give more. We learn to receive more. Because as we receive the love of God, if you want to show love to other people, be loved. If you want to show grace to other people, receive grace. If you want to forgive that person that you know you're really struggling to forgive, feel the forgiveness of God. This is the secret, isn't it, to loving others, is that when you see others how God sees them, then you will treat others the way you want to be treated. The secret this morning to walking in the ministry, the discipleship of Jesus, is simply loving the person in front of you, and it starts with receiving God's love. So how are you loving daily like Jesus this morning? The call of discipleship is a call to walk in intimacy. It is a call of love. It is a great 
relationship. And people do crazy things for love, don't they? When I was going out with my wife, uh, she wasn't my wife at the time, my future wife, I guess you should say. I drove for three hours to see her one night because I was living in Cardiff. She was living in Loughborough just to see her for an hour. And then I drove back for another three hours because I was desperate to see my beloved bride-to-be. When I was driving back, I was so late back at night that I missed the turning for Cardiff and ran out of petrol. And there I am at one in the morning in the pouring rain, walking down a motorway with a petrol can in my hand, skipping along like I was on top of the world. Why? Because I was in love. I was in love. People will do crazy, crazy, costly things for love. It motivates us. It changes the way we behave. Why? Because love is the fuel of our lives. It's not just the soundtrack, it's the fuel. How are you loving daily like Jesus? And here's this final one as we start to come to close this morning. It's this idea that a disciple is a loser. Jesus says this, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So this is the hard one this morning, guys, because being a disciple means that we have to let Christ lead us in every area of our lives. We have to hold our hands up and say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to trust that your love for me is big enough to lead me, even when it doesn't always make sense. You see, God doesn't want us to become robots feeling like we're mindlessly being dictated to by a harsh ruler. He doesn't want us to become ruined so that following him is such a bad, difficult thing that if we have any sense of joy, then we must be doing it wrong. It's not like that this morning. God doesn't want you to be reduced so that following him means to eliminate our personality and our character and traits, all the things that make us unique. It's not like that. Denying yourself is ultimately saying no to being led by your will. And know to being led by the ways of the world around us. How many of us know this morning that we are so dramatically influenced by the world around us and we don't even think about it? We say yes to the things of the world often before we say yes to Jesus. It's just our natural inclination. Back in the 1980s, there was this board game called The Game of Life. Anybody remember this one? And it had a song, and I don't know why I'm going to sing again this morning, but I might just do it. And it was like, be a winner at the game of life. Find a job. Have a baby. No, get married. Have a baby. <laughs> Doing the right order, Phil. <laughs> Woo! It's creating a bit of scandal. Uh, and this game has actually been around since 1860, and it was all about the idea of like how you find success in life. And this game has gone all over the world. And if you Google it afterwards, there's like Japanese versions, there's Chinese versions. And every version has a different level of what success looks like. And then as the 80s became the 90s, became the 2000s, 2020s, like now the song would be different to what it was 20 years ago because the criteria for success in life has changed. So the game of life that we're all supposed to win just like the board game, it has winners and it has losers. So to win according to this world, we have to achieve fame and success and wealth. You know, our success is measured by all these factors like the size of your bank account or the number of followers you have on social media or the level of recognition you receive and how many awards you get. 
It's been associated with being beautiful, with being a celebrity, with being an athlete, being a high-profile individual. It's, it's about talent and hard works and abilities. That's success, right, according to the game of life of this world. And yet Jesus has a very different criteria, doesn't he, for us? To Jesus, he says, it's not about the size of your bank account. It's not about the number of followers that you've got on social media. It's about finding a life of purpose and meaning centered around a relationship with God and how we love God and love other people. That is what success looks like in the kingdom. And that almost sounds a little bit like for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses life for my sake will find it. Because it's clear that Jesus says that you cannot win according to the world's standards and win with him. You have to make a choice. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't have a big bank account. It doesn't mean that you won't have a lot of social media followers. It doesn't mean that you won't necessarily be, even be successful according to the world's eyes. You can have those things, but the point is this this morning. If you're running after those things as your first priority, then we're saying yes to the world and we're missing our yes to Jesus. And the whole discipleship journey this morning, Junction 10, is that we are called to say Jesus first, everything else second. And out of that deliberate act of saying, I'm willing to pay a price to say yes to Jesus. Discipleship means submitting to God's will, even when it's difficult, doesn't make sense. And how can we do this? Well, it comes back to that second point of love, is that we can submit, and we've sung all about it this morning, spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. We can submit when we trust that God's ways are better than always. I thank God that there is a God in heaven who knows me better than I know myself. I thank God that there's a God in heaven who knows my past and loves me anyway and knows my future. He knows exactly where I'm going. He knows exactly what he's called me to. He knows exactly the impact that I'm going to make on the world. All I've got to do is say, you know what, God, I'm going to say yes to you. Sometimes we've got to become a loser not in the sense that we're worthless, but in the sense we submit to a higher purpose and call. What does that mean? It means we choose to lose. It says, God, I'm going to lose my ego. God, I'm going to be a loser when it comes to losing my self-sufficiency. I'm going to lose my selfish desires. I'm going to lose that need to be in absolute control at all times. I'm going to lose my sense of perfectionism. I want to lose my sense of pride. I'm going to lose my need for answers in every situation. I'm going to lose my fears, lose my doubts, and I'm going to gain when I choose to trust in Jesus. This is how we grow as disciples in 2024 and don't get stuck in a rut. As you look ahead, we choose to lose and then we win when we say, not my will, but yours be done. This is the way of discipleship. Just as in that scripture right at the start, love the God, Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. It means that we have to go all in. We have to go all in. We go all in by realizing that we need to learn, we need to hold to his teachings. We go all in when we say, I need to love, I need to actually love other people as much as I've been loved. And we go all in by saying, I'm going to lose. I'm going to say, not my will, but your will be done. And when we do that, we set ourselves up for winning in ways that we way beyond we could ever dare dream or hope or imagine. So as I finish, I'm, I'm going to pray now, but here's some questions 
just for you to reflect on. In day-by-day discipleship, in your walk with Jesus today, how are you learning today about Jesus and with Jesus? How are you loving today like Jesus? How are you losing today with Jesus? Maybe one of those is sticking in your heart right now. And as I start to pray, I just want to ask that God would help you and me highlight one of these, even this month, in the month of January when we're all having our big resets, that God would help us to learn to love and to lose with him for the sake of something bigger. So will you bow your heads with me as I pray? Father, I thank you that Jesus' ways are so much higher than our ways. I thank you, Lord, that when we hold to your teaching, great things happen. There's an adventure to be had. The brighter days are ahead when we actually take what we hear from you and put it into practice. I thank you, Lord, that you love us, that your love is the soundtrack of our lives and it, it speaks to us every day. You say, I love you, I love you, I love you. The rhythm and the beat is constantly one of love and I pray that you'll help us to love other people out of that place. And Lord, I thank you that even when the road gets difficult and challenging and we have to give up some stuff and we have to submit and we have to say no to our fleshly desires and we have to say yes to you, that you are with us every step of the way. And I pray today that as we step into 2024, as we continue in this series of discipleship, this will be a year of being a disciple and making disciples for Junction 10. I pray this and I speak this into being in the mighty name of Jesus. This will be the year of being a disciple and making disciples. And that, Lord, you would bless this house. You would bless each individual family. Lord, you would bless the leadership. You would bless the plans of the house. You would bless the expansion and the buildings and the things that are coming in the days ahead. But as they choose to follow you, Lord, they would lay some things down and they would take up that mantle to make Jesus famous above all things. I pray this in God's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Just before I hand back over to Joe and the team, I just want to let you know that I've got my book here. So when I was in April, I talked about this book, Parallel Faith, coming out. And it's now out. And it's all about how do you help walk alongside other people on their journey to Christ. So some of the stuff you've heard this morning is in that book, particularly in the first half about walking parallel with God's purpose of being a disciple. And then the second part is all about how do we actually go and make disciples? How do we help people uh, become confident in sharing their faith and confident in their disciple making? And it's for people like you and me ordinary people who are called to go and make disciples. So if you want a copy today, £10, I've got some copies with me. You won't get it cheaper anywhere else in the country. Um, I'd love to share it with you and uh, read it as your New Year read for 2024. God bless you. I'll hand back over to Joe. Thanks for having me.